A hunter in the desert saw Abba Anthony and joined himself with the brethren, and he was shocked, wanting to show him that it was necessary sometimes to meet the needs of the brethren. The old man said to him, put an arrow in your bow and shoot it. So he did. The old man said again, shoot another, and he did so. The old man said, shoot yet again. And the hunter replied, if I bend my bow so much, I will break it. The old man said to him, it is the same with the work of God. If we stretch the brethren beyond measure, they will break. Sometimes it is necessary to come down to meet their needs. When he heard these words, the hunter was pierced by compunction and greatly edified by the old man, he went away. As for the brethren, they went home strengthened. Welcome back to Tesseroy. I'm Bob and this is Steve. If you're anything like me, you don't always rest well. And I'm not necessarily talking about sleep, but the larger idea of pursuing, experiencing rest, recovery, whether physically, emotionally, or spiritually, I have historically valued the grind, the pushing through and working hard, then either after I accomplished my goal, or if I had gone about failing enough times, then, only then it was time to rest. This approach has at times prevented me from resting at all, or if I did try to rest, probably not in the most restful way. But what if I told you that rest was not simply an unfortunate result of working hard? What if I told you that rest and work were both pre-fall concepts and that we are called, designed even, to do both? We invite you to join us today on Tesserai as we explore the concept of rest in light of the ways it has been dismantled. It is not uncommon for Christians to get their cue to rest from God, specifically from the creation narrative in Genesis. We know that God made creation for six days and then he rested on the seventh day. But why? I mean, <laughs> there's no scriptural indication that he was winded or fatigued. Genesis doesn't tell us that God made the bodies of water and then was like, Ooh, I just, I just need a moment. I'm out of breath. But we do see each of these work days conclude with God's approval as each creation explanation ends with God seeing that it was good. These seven days uh, or these six days of creation end with, then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it, he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. It's out of Genesis chapter two. Joining this conversation today on rest is my dear friend and coworker, Sarah Roop. Uh, for the purpose of this episode, I will probably refer to her as Roop, um, but she is a residence director here at Wheaton College and her master's thesis was actually about the role of Sabbath rest. She is loyal, brilliant, and serving the kingdom so well and I'm psyched to have her join us. Roop. Thanks so much, Steve and Bob. It's good to be here and to talk about a topic that's very near and dear to my heart. Not only was my master's thesis focused on rest, but I've continued that work uh, now into motherhood and as a full-time employee as well. It's, it's hard to find rest. So I'd love to, to dig into why. Not only am I allergic to rest and would fill my days with work if I could to the bitter end, um, but I, I have really come to believe that rest is of vital importance in um, obeying the Lord and thriving in um, abundant ways that we see in Scripture. Let's start with uh, this first bit. You said you did a master's thesis on rest, so that clearly makes you an expert, right? <laughs> well, the bitter irony of that is that I chose to study rest for my largest project of my entire academic <laughs> career. <laughs> nice. So tell us a little bit about that uh, thesis. What, wh why did you choose it? What did, uh, what did you end up arguing? 
Yeah, well, I am a huge people person. So I chose to do a series of semi-structured interviews with students here at Wheaton College. Um, and I chose to study rest because I didn't see it. I didn't see it at Wheaton. I saw just working beyond belief. I saw perfectionism. I saw anxiety. I saw restlessness and depression um, as a result of just overworking. So I saw it in my own life too, if I'm being honest. Um, if you can imagine a continuum with me on one end was me in grad school, self-reliant, living with a scarcity mindset, anxious, wanting to complete tasks and hang out with people every hour of the day. I couldn't say the word no. And I couldn't be alone. And I couldn't rest to save my life. On the other end of that continuum was what I saw in scripture. I saw abundant life found in abiding in God. I saw living under his easy yoke. I saw the example of Christ practicing solitude to, to community, to ministry. While I was surrounded by so many depleted students burning out or looking to shallow, self-numbing forms of rest, it didn't align. I wanted to figure it out for myself, but I also thought this is a desperate need for the people I love here at my institution. So I asked the question, what are the perceptions of and experiences with Sabbath rest? And what disciplines constitute Sabbath rest? Um, so you mentioned that restlessness was a key, uh, driver in, in helping you to think to really, it was the problematic that you were working with. Um, so let's start there. What are some of the effects of restlessness? Because I imagine that it plagues all of us, um, and we don't always know that's the name for it. Um, I imagine a lot of us are probably addicted to, productivity to constant movement, um, but perhaps it's actually restlessness. So can you unpack that for us a bit? What does that look like? Um, why is it an issue? Yeah, one metaphor that I found helpful is one that most of us can relate to, that of a cell phone. When you have your cell phone, you can tell that the battery is beginning to be depleted, that you see you know, that warning light when it needs to be charged. And um, we know what that means. We know that it will die, it will run out of power. In life and with rest, restlessness comes um, in many forms, but if we are not resting, our battery is running out. And that can look like sadness, anxiety, depression, lack of self, self-care, illness, self-medicating or self-numbing, um, neglecting God, neglecting important relationships, maybe falling into areas of addiction more easily. Um, I just think of you know the armor of God. It's so powerful. It's, it's something that I try to remind myself and my kids of. Um, but when we're tired, it's, it's hard to remember even something like that, that we have um, not only the Lord advocating and interceding for us, but we have his armor. So some of these basics, basic uh, scriptural truths, I think it's, it's easy to forget when we're just so tired. Every year, I tend to tell Ari's when we're kind of talking through rest, um, I say in some ways it would almost be easier you're talking about that battery kind of made me think of this. Um, it would be easier if you like suddenly collapsed because you were exhausted. Um, and you're like, <laughs> don't get me wrong. I'm not advocating for, <laughs> for, for dropping up, you know, dropping unconscious. I'm just saying that uh, then you might know that's like a primary indicator that it's a problem. You know, um, if your car stops on you in the middle of the highway, you know that there is a problem and you have to reckon with it there. Um uh, what, hap- what what tends to happen, I think, more often, maybe particularly in ministry, too, um, is it feels like the lights come on that we ignore, you know, on the dashboard. We're kind of ignoring the engine light is on. The different lights are telling us that something is amiss, but we 
can technically keep going. Um, your battery is low on your phone, but you can technically still make a call, still use this. You just need to monitor it more, which feels like it's even tied to like feeling anxious about like, you know, when exactly is my phone going to die, you know, or feeling like really tired. What can I say no or yes to and those kinds of things. So that kind of just strikes me as like part of the the journey of, uh, of I guess, of, I guess the experience of feeling restless, too, is just the ambiguity of not knowing completely what your limit is. You can know you're past it, but you kind of keep pushing because, I don't know, societal norms or pressures or whatever. But I check all the boxes, Steve. I'm a former collegiate athlete, mismarried kid, perfectionist, workaholic, all of those reasons and more. All I want to do is keep going. Just to tie it in with last week's conversation, are you familiar with the Enneagram at all? I am. Do you know what your number is? Yeah, I'm a two-wing three. Okay. So I fall right into wanting to be on my feet, helping everyone besides myself. Yeah, and you can easily run yourself into the ground if you're not careful, right? And I do so happily then <laughs> and proudly. Because you feel like you're really making a difference in the world. Yeah. Right. And then I get mad. <laughs> yeah. So I do think rest is of vital importance for, for every Enneagram out there, right? But for my fellow twos who are listening, this is for you. Please know that this is the promise we have in Christ as well. That's good. That's really good. Well, let's um, then think about the positive dynamic. What it, What is rest? How do you define uh, I don't know if you actually come up with a definition in your thesis or, or how, what is it? Yes. Yeah, so to, um, to avoid kind of the, the theological back and forth about what Sabbath means, I use a term called Sabbath rest to define rest because I wanted to set apart this rest from a self-numbing and self-medicated self-care cultural rest, one that is, um, saying no to work and saying yes to the Lord, but that can look like a lot of different things. So I'd love to give you just an invitation that I read in the message a few years ago. It's the message and rendition of Matthew 11, um, 28 through 30. It says, are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me, get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. So that definition of rest with God, living freely and lightly with him, a Sabbath rest that is trusting in the Lord. Like I mentioned, it's hard for me to trust in the Lord. I think I'm awesome, right? I think I can do it all um, by the the power of my two hands and my self-reliance. The world spins, right? Uh, So this Sabbath rest is a call to Sabbath trust, a call to visibly demonstrate that in our daily living and our weekly rhythms, our yearly rhythms, that we are upheld and maintained by the grace of God rather than the strength and craftiness of my own hands. That's a really important link uh, between rest and trust that often gets overlooked, but especially in... um, our uh, hyper-connected, hyper-active culture is so important. I mean, we, we all have the FOMO for one. And so this idea of trusting God to keep the world moving, keep the world spinning, um, man, that's, that's huge. I like that connection that you make there. Yeah, and along those lines, the culture's rationale is because we can do so much, we do so much. Our lives have no limits. And um, 
it's no wonder we're all so busy. Wow. I like that. I do like that a lot. Um, it feels like, and I, I love the, the New Testament balance here because um, we see, we see rest in Hebrews. We see it in, uh, see it in Matthew. We see it in Mark chapter two. And we're like, oh, learning about the Sabbath. And uh, turns out, you know, Jesus kind of like turning the, turning the tables and, and, and making it clear that Sabbath is for the man, not man for the Sabbath. Um, and going back to the Old Testament, um, one of my best friends, Steve Durgan, shout out Durgan, um, he kind of helped me understand it well. And so I'd be curious to just both of your perspectives on this or how you see kind of like how this fits in the larger narrative. But these kind of three pillars um, of rest and trying to define what God's rest is. So the first pillar is stillness. The second pillar is peace. And the third one is pleasure. So that first one, that stillness has us actually stopping and ceasing from labor um, and the importance of that. So after those six days of work, then actually resting. And Steve goes on to say that rest has to mean at a basic level, a basic level, ceasing from work. It means to stop, to stop doing all the things that you think are so important and to sit still, to let your mind slow down and let your heart get quiet. And with God's help to enter into his stillness. So that's the stopping part, the stillness. Then the second part is the peace about having trust. So that hit what yeah. you're saying, Rup, um, and what he calls harmonious dwelling. And in that time, um, making it clear that God is at rest. Um, and so with that, he's saying that uh, you know, God, ha God, has, God has peace. The Bible is emphatically clear that God has peace. God is never surprised, Steve says. He said he never lacks anything. He's never divided within himself. Even while God fights against the powers of evil and darkness, there is never a struggle within him. So I think that's another powerful way of being like, okay, so what happens after I stop and what am I supposed to do? Yeah. You know? And then the last part is, is about pleasure, um, pleasure or enjoy delighting in the work that you've done. You know, so I don't know if you guys have had like moments where, or maybe when you were an athlete route, you'd be yeah. like, af maybe after a game, be like that, that went well, you know, like I, I liked that play, you know, um, I do that with pickup basketball all the time. I'm like, I hit that shot though, you know? <laughs> um, and so you play that in your mind, but just being able to have the opportunity to stop and say, this work was fulfilling, like mm -hmm. that, there was something to this, you know? Yeah. So those components have been really helpful for me as I've been trying to wrestle with this topic for a while, or this reality. So I'm just kind of curious as to how you think that fits in there, what you guys- I like it because it, it moves rest away from passive inactivity. Mm -hmm. Like even though rest may involve passive inactivity, we often think about rest as being uh, just me sitting around doing nothing, right? Or even like me chilling out watching TV. Well, that's that may not actually be restful at all because it's not incorporating some of the, uh, like these, these different elements or engaging the idea of trust in the midst of it. Um, I'm just tuning out or numbing. Uh, that's a very different thing than I think what we're trying to describe here. I think this shows abundance, right? It shows that we're able to resist the anxiety of this world, the pressures of this culture to trust the Lord and receive the gifts he has for us. I like that a lot. There's also something noted that uh, I don't know if Steve got this from somewhere, but Steve Durgan told me uh, that he was just kind of reflecting on the creation narrative. And he was like, there's more, there's more obviously to the story and it gets done after the creation. But you could say that like, it wasn't like six days and then, and then six days of work and then a day of rest and then back to work. Like we understand even a weekly ways, like arguably in some ways, when it comes to the initial job of creation, like, God's been resting since. And I, I find beauty in that too, to be yeah. like, it's not, doesn't feel like just this thing to this tool so that you can just go back to work. 
and maybe that's a good segue as we talk about like the balance of rest and work. That also is pretty powerful to me to be like God, and we know in Colossians that it is it is it is Christ actively holding all of these things together. So in in a way, of course, there's still things being done, but in terms of what we get introduced to to the creation of the universe and the world as we know it, that's done. And so since then, there's been a level of rest with that or delighting in creation. It's a good word. So let's talk about rest and work. Yeah, like I've mentioned, I love work. I find a lot of fulfillment and joy in the work that I do now. I have loved the work of being a mom, a friend, a daughter, a residence director. I think most people uh, who have read the creation narrative can, can identify the value of work there. Work was a part of God's perfect design for humans. And because we were made in his image, we get to delight in work. And our work is inherently meaningful. But again, as being made in his image, we can also assume the rest that we see him modeling for us. And as we rest, we can practice and enjoy the different disciplines that uh, we, our different personalities enjoy in a life-giving way that's fulfilled just in itself because the Lord has given us this gift. We don't have to find purpose. We don't have to recharge through this rest to then be more productive. The actual act of resting, whatever that is, has value. So I think in that, um, it's important. It's a, it's a warning for some of us rise and grind Christians today. Um, work hard, play hard mentality, especially for some young uh, emerging adults as well, that Sabbath isn't about resting so that we can be more productive in the week that follows. It's not about getting an Instagram-worthy day trip in or trying to, um, yeah, just look awesome as you rest. The act of resting itself is, is valuable. So I think it's important to, to live within our limits. And because of the Sabbath, um, we are able to just delight in the Lord by living within our limits. Steve, I'd like to see some selfies from you of you looking awesome while you rest. Yeah, I, I feel like we could do that. Maybe maybe that is maybe maybe we do need an Instagram after all. I think so. Just just for that purpose. Yeah, we could just like you on the couch, you and your chair. <laughs> dedicated to looking off in the distance. <laughs> just need a dedicated photographer. Selfies. You have to start drinking coffee if you're gonna do that. That though. is true. I should have a Bible open on the coffee table. Absolutely. Should have steaming hot coffee. Just me doing my Sabbath. Yeah. <laughs> no big deal. Just me and God. And however many thousands of followers that are with me. <laughs> thousands. That's ambitious. I, I just assumed, you know, <laughs> it, was, it was presumptuous. <laughs> oh. Yeah, I, I know personally I've entered into Sabbath in a way that's very self-centered. And I've, some of my like greatest marital disagreements have happened on Sabbath because I want it to look a certain way. Oh, and we're humans and my kids are kids. So. so practically speaking, does that mean like I want this space and I'm not getting it because kid X, Y, or Z is getting in my way. And so yeah. it feels like you're robbing me of my rest kind of a thing. There's definitely that, yeah, that scarcity mentality at times where, you know, I had such high hopes for this or I tried to nap and I couldn't fall asleep. Now my earth is shattered. Right, right. So yeah, there's, there can be a level of desperation in our rest if we're not setting aside time regularly. That that's a really good point. Um, because as, as a fellow parent myself, I get the scarcity piece where it, it's, um, some of my favorite times of the day, 
I don't know if I should admit this, but it's like bedtime, you know, like, <laughs> like kids, we love you. Good night. And then it's quiet. You know, yeah. um, my kids are great. They're fantastic. I love them. With they are great heart. kids. Um, but you know, they're just, they, they have there's a lot of life that goes on. And so um, you can feel sort of desperate, like, okay, I have 45 minutes or I have an hour and a half or whatever it is. And I got to make the most of it to make it the most restful, <laughs> productive rest possible. Mm-hmm. And then that crunch, especially if you don't get it, uh, can be so frustrating and then just like completely reverse everything you were hoping for. Yep. So maybe, I guess we'll, well, can we pivot to like, how do you do it then so that um, you're not like lumping up your entire Sabbath expectation into this little tiny block? How do you actually live your life in a way that is restful? Mm-hmm. Um, whether that's creating space for structured rest or whether it's resting through um, the business, like what, what do you, what do you both do for? Yeah. For, for a long time, I thought that I rested by getting things done because it just felt so good. And I felt so energized afterwards, but that's when I realized that I was not resting. I was just managing my stress. <laughs> <laughs> um, now I plan out weekly Sabbath rest. There's an expectation in my home, and no one has to ask about it. There's an expectation with my RAs and my GRAs, knowing um, in this work that can't be 24-7, that I will be away from my phone. So some of that ceasing work for me is a boundary away from my phone. Um, Also, time outside in creation. I enjoy getting active outside. I enjoy and when it's cold, getting outside, it just, it renews me. And I would say also feasting, having people over and hospitality. Um, I think I am still learning though, as a mom, what does it look like to have, uh, to, to borrow from Tish Harrison Warren, the liturgy of the ordinary. Mm-hmm. My life has become far more ordinary over the past three years, especially with the pandemic layering in there. How can I find rest and joy? in a mundane day so i try to order my day one for my sanity and for the sake of my soul around rest i try to model it for my child my oldest child lucy by having a non-anxious start to the day even if we have to get out the door quickly i don't want to push my anxiety on her so i try to demonstrate rest by making sure that we always need to do our Bible recap. There's a plug. It's a great reading plan. Do it with your kids. Always do that, even if we're in a hurry. I try to have a measured sense of urgency so that I'm not just becoming a slave to being on time either. Timeliness was huge in my household, and it's still something I really value. But trying to, to model, okay, this is so important. We're still going to do this time. We're going to connect, and then we're going to get out the door. Um, another big part of our day is rest time in the afternoon, which is when my three-year-old refuses to nap. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry. Yes. Lucy. Uh, but we, we always, and just with all things related to parenting and discipline, we try to explain why it's important. And I think I honestly am preaching to myself every day when she fights rest time. And I have to say, this is a healthy part of our day. We need time to be alone. We need time to recover from all the activities we've been doing. And for myself, then I have to take up that challenge, right? <laughs> of practicing solitude well. So I would say those are some of just the, the liturgies of our day that 
not only bring sanity and um, breath of fresh air, but ultimately they saved my soul, right? I could be in this rat race living of working full-time parenting 24-7, but rather trying to, to order our day around these rhythms. Doesn't always go as planned, but it has been it has been good. I love the intentionality of that. That's so good. Uh, so Steve, you're in a slightly different place of life um, than Sarah is. So what does that look like for you? How do you cultivate rest in uh, in your spaces? Um, I think, I think maybe some context would be helpful. Um, for me, even talking through Sabbath has been really helpful. Uh, Rube, you had shared, um, with us before this episode, like, I think it was a quote, um, that I wanted to share. Uh, and, or maybe it's not a quote. Was it you? Was it? I can't remember what it was, but um, we had it written down. But it was it was really good. Um, but talking about like Sabbath rest, this that Sabbath rest. You can let me know if this is uh if this is if this is you or not. But Sabbath rest alerts people to their dependency on productivity for their sense of identity and purpose. Since anyone who cannot obey God's command to observe the Sabbath is a slave, even a self-imposed one. Sabbath is therefore a declaration of our freedom. And then talking about like just sort of the dangers of omitting the Sabbath. So I think that for me growing up, Sabbath, you know, Sabbath, we think of Sunday, you know, here in my context, Sabbath is Sunday, um, but that's church day. And growing up, the rest was not a component that I was familiar with. I think it was the, the part of the nobility of ministry was pushing through and was was praising God when you're tired and thanking him for life and that more abundantly. And um, and so it's not a bash by any means. I'm like, I'm so thankful for the upbringing that I have. And I think that that was like one component that I just wasn't, I wasn't, uh, you know, really in tune with was actually stopping and the Sabbath having something for you from a restful perspective. Sundays were actually one of the longest days of the week, if not the longest. We're going to have church for multiple hours. But before then, I was the, I was in uh, charge of sound. So I have to get there early um, to set things up. You're dressed up in a suit and tie. So it's hot during the summers. <laughs> um, and then when you get done, nobody's in a rush really to get home. You know, you might have dinner with the with the church afterwards or you want to get together and see the people that you've been worshiping with and all these things. But it was just a long day. Um, and so I didn't really have that component of being like, you're going to get refreshed for the week or otherwise. It was just like, this is where it's at. So over the years, um, and you kind of alluded to this, Bob, like being in a different stage of life, not being married since um, I've had a lot of time on my own with roommates for a little while in college and grad school and then living on my own um, while working here at the college. Uh I think that I found things that are individually very important to me in order to get rest. For one, physical. Um, I think exercise, competition, goal setting, um, those are really big for me. Those are ways that it doesn't matter what's stressing me out about work. It doesn't matter what um, what urgent thing I'm stepping into or have to step into or have to reflect back on that happened from the day before. In that hour or so that I'm at the gym or those two hours that I'm playing ball, whatever, I'm not thinking about those about that during that time. There's nothing I can do about it, but I can like get in a better headspace and feel better physically. So that's a big one. And that's actually big right now, just as a moment of transparency, like that's hard in this season right now, because I recently had a pretty significant leg injury tore multiple ligaments, as both of you guys know. And uh, with surgery um, on the horizon, being able to be like, wow, like you cannot compete like in this way. You cannot like 
go to the gym and do this like you had planned to for the summer, you know? So that's just a, a change up. There's a, another change up that in a positive way that's good for me is um, uh, when you work in ministry and working as a residence director at Wheaton College, like that's ministry. And I love it so much. And I think if you haven't been in residence life, you might have ideas about what residence life looks like. It just looks like events or it looks like maybe getting people in trouble. But the, actually the majority of what it looks like is 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 a lot of care. Mm -hmm. So you, it's not uncommon to spend a night um, um, in a normal year uh, in the ER and you know helping facilitate a student's care in some type of way. And that's a blessing to be a part of. But sometimes with that blessing, you don't get like a clear... Um, uh, a clear end to the situation. There's not like, okay, I did this. Now we move on task completed, check the box instead. Like it's, it's, it's ongoing. And you're talking to multiple people to facilitate this person's care and wanting to, in a, in a non-cliche way, really come alongside them and like help them with this. Um, so in some ways, I mean, there's resonance with parenting there. It just, you never get a break. You're always on. It's always, you know, yeah, when I'm around parents, I make sure not to like make that comparison, but I've thought about that before. <laughs> I know how you feel. Like, <laughs> I know exactly how you feel to raise multiple children in your I'm, home. I'm not I've saying been... that you are a parent. I'm just saying like, <laughs> you know, there, I mean, like ministry does that, like pastoral yeah, ministry yeah, yeah. or like residence life in particular, because you're actually like in residence with these right, folks. Right, right. Um, it, yeah. It's not as though you can say like, I am unavailable mm -hmm. you know, after 5 p.m. You, you're just, you're here. Right, yeah. exactly. So yeah, I feel that. I, I, I think I'd say it like, if I uh, get married and have children one day, I think I'll be a better parent as a result. Um, I'd say that uh, with the experience. So because that doesn't always come with something clearly being resolved, think tasks that do have endings to them are really helpful for me. So I love to, um, you know, if I can, even something simple like changing my oil in my car, washing my car on the weekends, that's when I got to take care of storm. That's my, that's, that's my car, my ride or die. <laughs> And he, she, I got to roll with her and being able to detail her and like work on things that um, that have a clear ending is so important for me because you don't always get that in the regular day. Um, just real quick. I also want to say, cause I want to hear from you, Bob, too, about like how like ways that you find rest. But I think just retreating, um, not contaminating work with rest or rest with work, because I find that if I do, then I don't do either as well as I could. And that is even like a like a space like my physical space, how that works. So my office is connected to my apartment. And so, uh, but I learned in grad school not to like work in my bedroom because I didn't get much work done there. Um, that was a place, that's now a place like that's for sleeping, you know? And so being able to have that distinction or not getting too much work done in my living room where I like to actually chill, you know, like that's, those are big for me to keep them a little bit separate um, goes a long way for me. Um, I need time to internal process for sure. Um, I talk a fair amount, but <laughs> I have no problem talking, but I'm not an external processor first. I need to like let things settle inside. So my mind's going. And so if I have that time, then I'm going to feel way more rested to like jump back into work. Um, yeah. And then you talked about mornings, Root. Yeah. Quiet early mornings are really key for me. Now, shout out to my mom because my mom and dad are also early risers. So if my mom was going to call me, she probably would call me in the morning before she heads off to work just to kind of check in, to pray and love you, mama. Uh, but mornings, I do not like to utter words early mornings. I love to just be up and let the let like the day fade in. You ever been in an event and somebody doesn't know how to fade? And so they just turn the music on and turn the music off. And you're like, why so abrupt? 
fade into the day. Take it easy, you know? There's a proverb about that, I think. About, about like a DJ fading in? Or? No, he greets his neighbor with a loud voice early in the morning is like uttering a curse or something like that. Ooh, what do you find that? You gotta find that, man. And so, then, yeah, I need to put that on my door. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, that those are those are some ways those are some ways that I, I find rest. I'm sure there are others, too, but those that's good. Um, I'm not great at rest. I try to, I try to, to build in some practices. Um, uh, we take off, um, my wife and I take Fridays off, um, and, uh, we try to keep it pretty sacred. Um, so the nice thing is the other pastor on staff and myself, he takes Thursdays, I take Fridays. And so we are, are really protective of those for each other as well. Um, and people tend to know our schedule. So if there's an issue, they can call the other guy, um, and, and try to avoid email or anything disconnect from, I'm not good at disconnecting from like social media and things, which I, I probably should be. Um, but like you having concrete, uh, things I can concretely accomplish, like mowing the lawn, uh, or doing now, uh, my wife and I are in this yard work kick right? on our, working on our backyard doing a lot of physical labor um i built an extension for my kids playhouse which was physically exhausting but it's something that um you can actually see happen whereas in ministry so much of what you do is just this continual process you don't know if it's going to matter or if it's going to make a difference um and that can be really draining so having something just tangible um for me. And I think that's a, a good point too, in general, like if your work is physical labor, it's probably not going to be super restful to go and, you know, build something at home or whatever. If your, if your vocation is, um, you know, uh, I, I don't know, you, but just to do something that's engaging another part of your, your body of your mind is I think helpful. Um, you can do that in a, in a productive way um, to rest. But so things like that, just alternate activities concrete things as opposed to abstract or uh doing things i love creative things like writing um are, are good one thing that i i again this is i don't do a great job at this point i do it it's really helpful is to carve out I think you talked about retreat um but carve out a, a day of space uh um and to go and just think and write and be alone unplug from uh my phone and email and everything um because when there's time for my brain to unravel and, and for thought trails to, to do some long, deep thinking, to chase those thoughts down, when um, it, a lot of times I, I'm very fragmented, right? It, I, I don't do a lot of deep, or I'm not always good at deep thinking. Um, that can help me to address issues in my own heart um, that otherwise remain subterranean and unaddressed. Um, I think something that rest, good rest can do is give us the space to slow down enough to listen uh, to ourselves and to listen to God speaking into that. Because sometimes the busyness is really just nothing more um, than a screen, right? It's a way for us to, um, to, to plug our ears and plow forward. Uh, when in reality, <laughs> we, we need to address the complexity, sometimes the ugliness of what's going on inside of us. 
All right, well, we're going to have to hit pause on the conversation because this has been super productive and really wonderful. And we're going to have to pick this up for a, a part two here. Um, but Sarah, do you want to leave us with a closing word for our listeners as uh, they wait for next week's segment? Yes, the word will come from the message. Are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you burned out on religion? Come to me, get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Amen. Well, you heard it, folks. Listen up. Take it to heart. As always, we'd love to hear from you. You can find us on uh, Twitter and Facebook at Tesserai Podcast. Uh, and until next time, this has been Tesserai. Tesserai.